0: Hey folks, good morning, uh, welcome to the ABM Voice Podcast, I'm your host Arun Gopalaswamy Today I'm joined by Jolie Shapiro from Caspian Studios, she leads the growth marketing initiatives for them, happy to spend some time today with her, to understand how she approaches demand general B2B marketing, her experience with content and various other things. I'm really ex- looking forward for this discussion and uh, welcome to the show Jolie.
1: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Let's just get started by getting to know you a little bit better, right? So I know I've covered a little bit, but, but if you could just trace path your your career so far, it's been uh, almost a decade, I suppose.
1: Yeah, so I started off as a songwriter. I started writing songs mm. when I was 11 years old. And I wrote a song about, I was on a trip. Oh, was it a school field trip? And I wrote a song <clears throat> about pain because I was this angsty 11 year old. And then all <clears throat> the parents, I sang it and it was very well received, but all the parents called my mother asking if I needed help, <laughs> 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 which was, I was fine. I was just an angsty, I was just an angsty preteen. So, um, always love writing. I've tried writing books. I've tried, I've, oh, I've six, I wrote like a few chapters when I was 15. And then, um, I was in the music industry, so I interned at like Warner and EMI back when it was EMI, now it's bought out by Universal and Universal and went on to content strategy. So I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in the music industry. What do I do next? I love to write. I was, I switched majors three times. I did like journalism and then advertising and then um telecom and ultimately ended up in PR. That's four majors. And then um, I went on to content strategy, like I mentioned. Um, so I did that for three years through Upwork. And then I went on to a marketing agency that worked for American Express and, or their primary client was American Express as an account coordinator. And then I fell into B2B SaaS. I didn't know I was in B2B SaaS. It was back in 2017, but it was it's mm-hmm. kind of like the, punky, like I called the punky spunky underdog of scission, the uh, media monitoring company. So work there. And I accidentally did a demand generation campaign without knowing it. It was an influencer mm. marketing campaign, where we asked influencers, what's your secret to success in marketing? And it went viral, at least in the marketing community It was like 7 million organic impressions all over the world. Wow. Which was amazing. Um, because some of these some of these influencers had 250,000 followers. So all of them reposting it was absolutely mm. incredible. And we also made an ebook out of it, generated a couple hundred leads. So that was, I was like, oh, wow, I really love this. <laughs> I love, I love the oh. ROI. Um, Cause I was really tied to the data and content strategy and blogging and social media back when it was really popular. Um, but then I, so I studied for about three, four years. Um, got certificates. Did like Next MBA. Did um, like Digital Marketing Institute. Um, and I got got a bunch of certifications. I've it was a lot of studying. I felt like I got a master's in marketing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went on to three three or four B two B tech companies within the past like mm-hmm. six years. Um, huh. I love I love tech. I think it's just I think it's just, especially Martech. It's just um, it's just such an interesting field. And now I'm at Cassium, which is a B2B podcast as a service company, primarily work with tech companies, pretty pretty huh. large tech companies like um, IBM and Dell and Segment and Twilio and that sort of thing. So I'm really happy here. It's it's a great transition and a really good. Huh part
0: of my career. It seems so. I think uh, so many experiences, so many learnings. Well, what's, the, what's the best part of writing? So do you, do you have writer's block at all or writing comes naturally? Yeah, so
1: I, <laughs> funnily enough, so when I was young, it just flowed. Like I had mm-hmm. I had these melodies that would come into my head and then mm-hmm. I would have the lyrics at the same time. So I just uh-huh. I'd write and I had probably like up to 50, 100 songs by the time I was in my 20s. Um, uh-huh. But it's definitely it's, it's interesting, you know, because Chat GPT has made writing easier, but it's also, if I use it too much, it actually stifles my creativity because uh-huh. it's so easy to generate content, but it's not uh-huh. good content. Chat, I don't think uh-huh. Chat GPT is really there yet. Like it gets you probably 80% of the way. But huh. maybe not, maybe eighty percent, maybe sixty percent huh. of the way, but True. it's it's definitely. I think that's almost hurt me more than helped me. So I'm, I'm kind of huh. like going back to foundation of okay. Let me be. Let me use my brain.
0: Okay. Between uh, songwriting versus maybe like copywriting or or uh, ad copywriting, none of that, right? So. So is that a commonality is uh, uh, does the brain work differently or how?
1: um that's a good question. I think ad copy I use probably more the logical side hmm. because i'm I'm trying to I'm trying to use what what customers would say about us, and then songwriting is all is very emotional, so hmm. it's like pure pure emotion. Um, but yeah, the ad copy is more like, okay, so what, what do people want to hear? What do people want? What do people, what would someone on the other end, what would I want to know? What would I want to, um, huh. like, a, like, see from the other side and putting myself yeah. in their shoes? Very,
0: very. Awesome. And you've done some viral campaigns, right? So the whole Demand generation area. How have you seen it evolve over uh, the last six, seven years that you've been associated? What's new? What has changed? What has not changed? What should not change?
1: Yeah, I. That's a really great question. I love that question. So, when I first started, it was all about SEO and blogging. It was all about huh. SEO blogging and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. When I when I first started as a content strategist and then I went out when I went to demand generation um, it was all MQL hamster reel like just getting as many leads as you could as fast as you could and giving them to sales and a lot of times they weren't qualified and so how it's changed I think I think dark social is a really big thing I think people mm-hmm. want to learn from their peers so and people want to learn you know with on the go and on their own time and not, they don't want to really be sprayed and prayed. That was a big. That was a big thing back then too. There was a lot of batch. I used to call it batch and blast. It was when you send out a sales email to ten thousand people and hope for five meetings. Like that's not. That's not scalable, and that's not good conversion. So, I think what should stay and something that we do at Caspian is we. I think in terms of ABM, we use. Persona-based targeting through podcasting. So like, for example, Uh our customers will, they will, um, oh yeah, so our customers will target a specific persona. Like for example, VMware has a CIO exchange podcast and they'll target CIOs and they'll bring them onto their Mm -hmm. podcast. Then they close 10 to 20% of people that they bring on. So like, that's something Mm -hmm. that I think is new. But or new-ish, mm. but I think it's here to stay. I think um, co-marketing initiatives are really big. We've seen a lot of success with partner webinars. Um, mm. CEOs being influencers in their own right on LinkedIn. I think like people versus brands on LinkedIn. I think is big and communities. That's where I really see it. What's working now versus back mm. then.
0: Just so you talk about something called demand creation your own, like and then you consciously use that word you said right explain uh, that to us
1: sure so <laughs> i mean that demand creation i'm listening to chris walker's podcast for probably a year or two now so that that mm-hmm. is ingrained into my mind demand creation and i follow all of his uh his employees on linkedin so i read about it all the time but i guess in my own words it's about engaging the 95% of prospects that aren't in market. So there's the 5% mm-hmm. that you can either do assumed intent with ABM intent outbound, or you can just, you can do cold, cold ABM, like target your ABM accounts, but people that have no idea who you are. And if you're trying to build a category, building that brand awareness and through like stuff like, um, like the podcasting I mentioned, or, um, or, or or webinars or um, or dark social communities like that's that's creating demand, putting your name out there, and you're really you're really front and center. Like for example, we have this we have this newsletter that that is super successful because we're top of mind. With, like for example, we'll have people sign up because they. Downloaded our ebook or people sent it for XYZ reason. And we're top of mind until they're ready to buy. So, for so we hmm. actually sent out a business murder verse, which I can get to a little later. Um, we sent out a business murder verse product launch and we got a ton of people that responded because they were already reading it for the past six months. So, by the time we did hmm. like a soft launch, we got there were so many people that were interested
0: uh what do you package in a a newsletter and how do you like uh, what frequency is that typically
1: yeah sure so it's once a week we typically highlight an employee highlight a customer Uh and then our ceo does an intro of his own of a kind of like a personal spin we like keeping Uh it personalized and coming from him because he's really he's the face of the company we also sometimes highlight different podcast launches, but we don't, it's not really a sell. It's not like, hey, book a meeting with us. It's very much a nurture ca- nurture campaign. Uh-huh. So it, it's really probably one of our top performing.
0: The newsletters? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh-huh. newsletter.
0: And how do you acquire subscribers? Do you promote it or? Inbound. Inbound, okay, okay. Yeah, like they'll so be on our site. Some- Oh, okay. sorry. Go ahead. So you have kind of a lead magnet, and then you use it, right? Give some value, and then make them mm-hmm. s- subscriber. Okay. Yep. Testing that, right? And uh, okay, so this whole thing is what you we call it as demand creation.
1: Yeah. So in a broader sense, I think it's about, like I mentioned, like engaging the people that have no idea who you are, hmm. creating demand for your product when they're not, when they might not be in market, not because they don't like you or because they're not searching for the product, but because they just don't know who you are and they don't know that they Mm -hmm. even have a problem.
0: Okay, Okay. how does it differ from demand generation? It's not a wordplay, I suppose, right? So there is some distinction between these two.
1: Yeah, so demand generation, I'd like to, I'd, I'd consider more, I associate that more with MQLs, demand generation. I think it. I think it mm-hmm. is kind of phasing out a little bit. I think mm-hmm. demand generation could, is more channel based in terms of um, like generating. Like you have a five thousand MQL target. Let's let's do as much as we can to get those MQLs for sales. And I think that's really put. That's really put marketing, I think, in a tough position. You hear around the LinkedIn Echo Chamber, like where we can be arts and crafts and <laughs> we can be arts and crafts and sales assistants. And that's something that I mm. think demand creation is fixing. Um mm. and I think demand generation also has more to do with demand capture versus mm-hmm. versus um or excuse me, demand generation is more to do with man capture than and more like the MQLs and like targeting your list with ebook downloads, stuff like that, like very low intent quality links mm-hmm. um, versus demand creation, mm-hmm. which is more brand awareness.
0: Interesting. And how are you fit in something like an ABM? So so if you have an ABM program running, right? So how do you marry these two? What
1: marry the demand creation and ABM?
0: Yeah, yeah. ABM, yeah.
1: Yeah. So We do a couple things. So we'll, so we participate in communities. We have our own community actually of, we have this podcast, our own podcast called Remarkable where we bring, so our ABM strategy is is kind of different. I touched on a little bit earlier. Um, So we create demand by having people listen when they want, how they want on the go. And then we capture demand by talking, they they have such a great experience on the podcast that we close like ten to twenty percent of our of our own pipeline um, through podcasting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. instead of cold outbound, like for example, we did an A B test where we did like our best performing cold outbound email, and then we did mm-hmm. remarkable invites, and that mm-hmm. was like a I forget what the percentage increase was, but it was like a fifty percent, sixty percent response rate, something ridiculous. And then mm-hmm. closing 10 to 20% of those deals, and we're targeting very specific personas in our ICP, mm-hmm. so we segment, mm-hmm. target, position, or position target. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably our best performing ABM strategy.
0: So sounds like you're using podcasts and maybe a bit of newsletter as a, as a way to channel and then bring these accounts that could be a possible shoot to your ICP, and then you filter and then start doing some specific KBM campaigns, right? Yeah. Yeah, so newsletters.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say, so webinars too. No, we they, also do a, a lot of the webinars. webinars. Too.
0: Right. Okay, okay. So these are the things, uh, different channels that are feeding your pipeline. And then what kind of activities do you do to nurture them? And how long does it take for you in your case? And what kind of uh, more personalized Interventions? Do you do, and what other channels do you activate as part of nurturing?
1: Sure. So we'll do. We will do gifts. Um, so we use not sendoso. Like for example, this uh, this t shirt we sent <laughs> we sent out to different prospects, customers, friendlies, influencers um, so as a holiday gift. But it's again like, hey, so we know you're going to deal with us happy holidays we'll see you in q1
0: Mm. (laughs) um so
1: to so to give them like a kind of like a hit and we actually did it we had them order it a group order so they could pick their own size a lot of times people will just get a gift and it's not or like a t-shirt or some sort of swag and it's not in their size which can be not great um so that's one avenue another is we also use our ceo's linkedin because he's an okay. influencer in his own right. So he'll he'll I think a lot of times he'll well not a lot of times, all the time, every time he posts something, he'll comment, he'll respond to all the comments. He's very active. And hmm. that also will nurture people that are already in pipeline because they'll they've already connected, they'll see the next product launch or the new ebook or mm. you know, XYZ and that will pull them more down the funnel like for like we've had some cust- we've had some prospects that will because we announce a webinar on linkedin they'll go they'll go watch it hmm. because of linkedin hmm. and they're already in hmm. they're already in pipeline
0: uh, who gets it to the webinar are these the accounts that is qualified and they're part of the nurture process you invite them or oh, i'm wondering what stage of their buying journey do so they get to participate
1: um we, we typically do m- see it's funny so i i consider I, I i don't want to say i don't believe in buying stages that's not fair but i i'd like to say that it, it we're pretty much open to everyone because it, the content that we talk about is top of funnel but then if they mm-hmm. want to learn more We'll give them like hmm. something like an ROI calculator or six winning plays to drive pipeline with a podcast or um, podcast planning worksheet stuff like that. So we have more bottom of the funnel content, but in terms of webinars, it's anyone that wants to join. We don't we don't have specific criteria for a webinar.
0: Okay. No. How do you get them to join your webinar? Is it through newsletter? Is it through social? Or is it? Newsletter and so social. Sure. Okay. Uh, and and how frequently do you run those webinars?
1: This is about, it's been about once a month.
0: Once so we, a month. Par- okay. we
1: partner with um, people like Audience Plus and Demand Jump and Goalcast, and we've run webinars with them. So hmm. we both, we, we market, we basically, partner with MarTech companies because we're both targeting the same audience. So we both, Hmm. everyone wins. It's a win-win for everyone for for the co-marketing initiatives.
0: Good. And what what kind of channels do you use for pipeline marketing? So somebody who's qualified, maybe there's an opportunity trying to convert. So are there programs specifically for them?
1: Yep. Yep. So we do paid. We'll do we'll do mm-hmm. LinkedIn retargeting. So, for example, we have a customer testimonial that, oh my gosh, when I when I got off the interview, I was like, I can die happy now because it was the best customer interview I've ever had. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll use that we for we're specifically using customer testimonial single ad images and with the the quote, and then we also have a video about a two minute video for retargeting with. Um, with the, with our customer and it's performing hmm. really, really well.
0: Testimonials. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. For and this is for... Okay. This is for what stage is it like tofu, mofu, bofu? After they, they get mo- into the Probably mofu,
1: bofu. Yeah, mofu, hmm. bofu. So we typically retarget if they click on a like a Google, like a Google ad um, or sometimes it'll be SEO driven or, and then we'll get the cookie, which is phasing out. Mm-hmm. So we're all going to have to mm-hmm. figure that out as marketers. <laughs> um, okay. but then we'll, and then we'll retarget. So mostly middle and bottom of the funnel.
0: Got it. Okay. And how do you, when do you activate sales? When do the sales people get involved?
1: Yeah. So typically, so for now, cause we don't have, um, we don't have alerts yet. We're still setting it up. So I'm the, I was the first marketing hire on this team. So we're still building the foundation, but for now it's when we do mostly inbound. So we'll do mostly Hmm. inbound leads. And then we qualify based on just if they're an ICP fit. So we have gold bronze, excuse me, gold, silver, bronze, just based Hmm. on ARR. And then, so once I qualify, I'll put them into a sequence and then, then sales takes over because they'll respond directly to that email.
0: Okay, okay. And uh, how does the newsletter and webinars and others, uh, what, what stage do they get to see and start seeing those channels uh, or cut from those channels?
1: So they, they'll they go directly to us. So they hmm. they come, because of those channels, they'll come in, They'll come in inbound, so we we don't. I don't want to say we wait, but we they'll come in because of a lead, or excuse me, because oh. of a channel, not not oh. the other way around. We don't really do outbound prospecting, with the exception of and the they, the sales handoff is more like is mostly inbound, but then we'll also do the remarkable invites for our podcast, which is more outbound.
0: Oh. Oh. So the Remarkable podcast is like you inviting a certain prospect into the conversation and then having a chat, okay? Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a very successful do
0: you, channel. Okay. Do you, uh, do, do, do you do this for all the prospects or you, do you select like what kind of criteria do you sort of uh, use to pick up who gets to be the guest?
1: Yep. Yep. So we have an ICP, ICP. So our ICP Mm. is, so we have the gold silver bronze, which is the ARR. And then we'll have, um, it's mostly people in marketing. So, but not, but our primary is VP of brand, CMO. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, Oh, director of content strategy and mostly, Mm. mostly more content like brand and brand. Um, And then like a Mm. secondary would be like a director of demand gen stuff like that, but hmm. that's it's more of the persona.
0: Correct. okay. And, and then what, what do you generally talk in this podcast? Is it very educational in nature or are you trying to uncover problems? Do they have or, right, so either implicitly or explicitly? So, so. like, is there a, like, a, like a strategy that you have in terms of engaging them through the Remarkable podcast? Yes,
1: yeah, so we have a podcast prep call. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll gauge if they're interested in doing a podcast with us during the mm-hmm. during the prep call, um, mm-hmm. and it'll be either be yes or no, and no hard feelings if not, and you'll still be on our podcast. Mm-hmm. It's not a gateway, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, actually the the content's really interesting. It's B two B content marketing. So for example, we did a podcast on Taylor Swift Eras tour, and mm-hmm. the person you the person had they discuss um, our CEO. And whoever the guest is will discuss the takeaways and the marketing lessons learned from that particular pop culture reference. It could or it could be the Matrix, it could be the Muppets, it could be the Office, whatever they want <clears throat> to pick. And they <clears throat> and they talk about it. And it's I think it's really interesting because there's so many things that we can learn from from B2C content and kind of yeah. like the, you know, the Marvel universes of the world and all that. So I I find it, I think it's a really good concept.
0: Awesome. And you you talked about social uh, selling or social conversation, right? So your CEO goes on like commons, rights, and all of that. Uh, At what point do you, let's say, connect with your prospects, right? So you get this inbound request. They've done some, maybe they heard your podcast, right? So they go to your website, fill a form and then they show interest, right? So they've got into the funnel, right? You're qualifying, hunting it, or you're putting them into a sequence and you're also activating your sales folks. And then like, how do you layer the social element on as as part of this process?
1: So we typically, like I mentioned, we do retargeting to move them further down the okay. funnel once they are in pipeline. But mm-hmm. in terms of accelerating pipeline, like I mentioned, we'll do gifts. We'll do, and then the CEO will, and then we'll do the newsletter. Well, because they're all everyone in pipeline is also the newsletter. We'll do, mm-hmm. and then we'll invite them to certain things, and then turn, ter- and then we'll send them more bottom of the funnel content. Like I mentioned, like the ROI calculator, the podcast planning worksheet, the um, the six winning place. So we'll send them more like stuff that they can kind of figure out on their own. And then if they want to talk to us, they want to talk to us. If they don't, hmm. then again, no hard feelings. But um, hmm. we tip it. We're still building it out. To be completely frank, like I just <laughs> I just built Salesforce with the ground from the ground up with a contractor. So now that hmm. now that we have Salesforce up and running, we can really look at the data and see and really dig in dig into the data analytics and um, and and really get into okay, who are the accounts? How do we engage them? okay, they're in pipeline. How do you move them from one phase to another? But we had to get the infrastructure up within hmm. the past six months to be able to really start doing that. So actually, it's funny, after this call, <laughs> uh, they're at most of today is heads down to do key one marketing strategy. But what's great is we have some data to work off of now in terms hmm. of what hmm. we're going to do going forward.
0: Hmm. How do you measure all this? The, the uh, right So there are like, multiple channels, uh, everybody is getting in, in, in different times, right? So, like, what's your dashboard looking like and then how do you continuously optimize and those sort of thing?
1: Oh, my dashboard is, it's so many colors. <laughs> there are so many, it is so many colors because we have so green. many different. What's that? More green. Oh, it's, it's a lot of... More... Uh, Oh, oh, I meant like, because there's so many different lead sources. We They come in so many mm-hmm. different ways, but it's like basically a rainbow. Um, sorry, what was your question? I, I missed it. Uh, I,
0: was, I was talking about like, how do you how do you measure uh, the impact and right the influence of different channels and how do you connect all of this together?
1: Yes, yeah, so we're actually building that out now. So we're doing how how the accounts are being engaged. So we'll do meetings book. We'll do, uh, we have some, some vanity metrics in terms of campaign influence, but we mostly focus on, um, we mo- mostly focus on revenue. How many, how many deals <clears throat> are we closing? How fast are they going through the funnel or through this opportunity pipeline? Um, what's ACV? How many contacts are we adding? Who's engaging stuff like that.
0: Okay. What's the role of, abm tech according to you so you're doing some form of abm and you've also been part of an uh, abm tech company right So supreme your previous uh job right so what's your outlook on abm tech right so there's two views right so, so you don't need tech you should do it like very manually there's also the other side that you start like really looking for some automation and all of that and hence you need a, a tool what's your view where do you stand
1: I think I'm in the middle, mm-hmm. so I think it can go both ways. You can do scra- scrappy ABM, where okay. you do very well—not basic, but you do very specific tactics. And then hmm. I think we ABM. Ultimately, I think we're an ABM platform would help is actually with the sales alerts. So at cents it was it was amazing because the the salespeople knew exactly when to target the accounts and that's something that we don't have yet and that hmm. i mean we we have we might get bombora but in terms of getting like knowing exactly when to target someone in the decision stage i think that's where it really provides value because hmm. without it that's pretty tough it's pretty tough to know when hmm. someone is ready to buy and i think that's hmm. where tools bring the most value
0: cool. you just touched upon intent like how do you plan to use it or have you used it in your workflow, right? So how does intent fit? In?
1: Oh, intent. So we're, we're not doing that just yet, but next year we're probably going to start using Bambora for ABM okay. intent outbound. Hmm.
0: So that would be more for outbound?
1: Yep. Yeah, more for
0: outbound. Okay. outbound. Okay. interesting. And uh, personalization, right? So what sort of, how, how deep are these uh, nurtures, right? So when it comes to like, personalized you do a lot of things, right? So how how are you able to sort of embed personalization? And if at all you you do any of that, that but what channel is it highly personalized?
1: So I think we're on the precipice of doing that. So right now mm-hmm. it's one to many, just because mm-hmm. we're we're a younger company and we're not like we're not doing we're not verticalized yet. Um, mm. but I think as we grow, we're going to do more and more of that.
0: Good. And in, in your past experience, the, I think you, you're part of Sixth Sense, for example, right? So where, have you seen personalization, for example, playing um, a bigger role, right? So content that's personalized versus non-personalized, you've seen a good, uh, lift because of the, so is there any examples or? interesting campaigns that you've run, right? Maybe like the vital one that specifically around the ABM part of uh, side of things that you wanted to highlight. What?
1: Yes. Yeah, of course. So Sixth Sense used a platform that, that hyper personalized web pages for mm-hmm. prospects. Um, and I thought that was really interesting That's something I'd love to bring on ultimately. But they did it by, for, I think they did it by vertical and title, and potentially name. And I thought that was brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really great, I, I partnered with them to to help them do that. But it was uh, cool. it was really, really valuable.
0: Mm. Awesome, I think this has been a fascinating conversation, a lot of things around uh, tapping into your experience, Julie. Uh, any parting thoughts, right, so we're, uh, towards the end of the year, people are planning for next year. So what kind of demands and ideas people should try? And you talked a little bit about like how we should get inspiration from B2C, right? Uh, Any any thoughts around like what are the untapped channels maybe, right? So that we should try for 2024.
1: Yeah, great question. So something that I would love, and I think it's probably a few years out, but something that something that Netflix does fascinates uh-huh. me. They do predictive, predictive profiling. So they're able uh-huh. to recommend things to you based on what you like. And I uh-huh. would love for that to come to B2B. I don't know how far uh-huh. off uh-huh. we are, but uh-huh. I think uh-huh. like that and Amazon, I posted about it actually on LinkedIn, Amazon, the way they recommend products to uh-huh. you based on your past purchase mm. history, I think mm-hmm. that could be applied to B2B one day, I think, hopefully someday soon, because I, I think, mm. I mean, there are a couple, maybe like a trillion or $2 trillion companies, so they're obviously doing something right.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. If you have the tech, what, what is the how would you basically make you suffer?
1: Yeah, so I think I would, so I consider, and a lot of people consider this website as a storefront, so Mm-mm. I would want, so someone clicks on a piece of content and then you're based on their, and this might already ha- be happening at least in its infancy, but someone clicks on a piece of content and then you're able to recommend either a next step or, and, and a lot of like Drift does this with conversational marketing, but you're able to recommend mm. like a next piece of content based on mm. what they read before or, okay, mm. so they're in this stage, maybe we'll give them a case study or maybe we will give them an ROI calculator. Mm or maybe we'll give them XYZ based on what they read last.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I I think that makes sense. So so how do you engage them? How do you uh, make it more contextual, right? So when they choose to come, right? And if if you're trading your website as a storefront, right? So you want to just keep them as much as possible. Great idea. Um, Julie. thank you so much again. Thanks for taking time. And then it's been an interesting conversation. I think a lot of, tactical stuff, and I think our audience would love to maybe have some learning, implement, and try experiment. Uh Thanks for sharing your thoughts.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed this conversation.
0: Actually, thank you.